Hello and welcome. You found the Social Work Podcast. My name is Jonathan Singer, and I'll be your host as we explore all things social work. Today's podcast is the second of three interviews with Kaya Bentley on psychopharmacotherapy. Kaya Bentley is professor of social work at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, and has published extensively in the area of psychopharmacotherapy. Now, psychopharmacotherapy is a big, long word that refers to the treatment of psychiatric disorders with the use of medication. But as Kaya points out, psychopharmacotherapy is not just about giving people medication and calling it a day. It's an approach to treatment that acknowledges the strengths and limitations of medications. In today's podcast, Kaya talks about best practices for referring clients for psychiatric medications, resources for social workers interested in learning more about psychopharmacotherapy, and how social workers can think critically about psychopharmacotherapy for both adults and children. Now, in the first of these three interviews, Kai and I talked about key concepts and the roles that social workers play in psychopharmacotherapy. In the third interview, Kaya talks about a recent qualitative research study she did to explore the meaning that medication had for residents in a psychiatric facility. All three interviews were recorded using Skype, and this is because Kaya was in Richmond, Virginia, and I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. During the interviews, I noticed some pops and hisses, presumably the result of network congestion or bandwidth bottlenecks, whatever those mean, but these were not enough to detract from the interviews. If you have questions or comments for me or Kai about these interviews, please go to the Social Work Podcast website at socialworkpodcast.com. And now, on to the interview with Kaya Bentley and best practices and resources for psychopharmacotherapy. You identified six dimensions that constitute best practices for referring clients for psychiatric medications. And this was in an article that you wrote a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. I was wondering if you could talk about what those what those best practices are. Well, first of all, I, I really did like that that article that came out in um, in best practices in mental health because I think that well, a couple of things. The reason why the article got written was because in our national survey of social workers of practicing social workers, we had just under a thousand the second most frequent thing that social workers uh, did was make referrals to physicians around medication, to do a medication assessment. The first most frequent thing, by the way, was discussing feelings about medication. So, but anyway, so because social workers are in the, in the real world out there are making referrals, and I looked to the, to the literature to say, okay, well, what's a good referral? You know, what constitutes great social work practice uh, with respect to referring and you know basically there's very little out there and so I we did we, we created uh, generated six ideas um, kind of based on the literature not much empirical research but um, it, we, we felt like we could put out these six ideas and, and the first one talks about establishing and maintaining collaborative relationships with prescribers so difficult this day and age but that notion of you know, well, in the article talks about referral highways, for example, is that you uh, build a network of prescribers that you can work with, no matter if you're in a public setting or private setting or whatever, you develop sort of a network of people that you trust. And also, you're also letting them know about the services that either you provide or your agency provides in terms of working with people. Um, 
so that that was one of the things, and how hard it is to to maintain those lasting collaborations. Uh, also, to be a great prescriber, I, I mean, uh, referrer, you need to be able to share information about psychiatric medications, and I, and that I talk. In that part of the article about, you know, the heart of, of social work practice is problem solving. And so sharing information, helping people look at the pros and cons of, of medications, uh, I mean, that just ought to be practically second nature. And then I do talk about helping clients manage the meaning of medication. I mean, this, and this is what my more recent research has been about, is, you know, taking Medicaid psychiatric medications is not is not a benign thing. I think someone said that, you know, it is in the center of my sort of meaning uh, of meaning results was that taking medication. Well, I have to find this uh, because it's it's so good, Jonathan. So I may have to just look for a second where my little thing is. Okay, that take taking medication incites meaning, influences identity, and impacts life. And so if that's true, then social workers' training puts us in a perfect position to be able to help people manage that. What does it mean when someone tells you that perhaps you should consider having a medication uh, evaluation? What does that mean to you? What kind of impact does it have on you? Um, and then if you actually get to a prescriber and they decide that, that in conjunction with you, that maybe you should receive a prescription and try it. What does that mean to you? What kind of impact does that have on you? Do you feel relief? Do you feel fear? Do you, what do you feel? And social workers should be helping people manage those things. In addition, social workers should be preparing, literally emotionally preparing and in sort of informationally, practically preparing clients for referrals. You know, what can they expect when they go to see their prescriber, whether it's their OBGYN, a general practitioner, a nurse practitioner, a psychiatrist, whoever it might be, what can you expect uh, and, again, how, how are you going to deal with that? And then I do make the argument, uh, we make the argument that a great referral should be not steering. It's the term steering, which means sort of writing a name on a piece of paper and throwing a phone number at somebody. But a great referral really is following up and finding out the results of that uh, attempted connection. And, and, and if, if we can discuss, I think the literature calls that cementing the connection. Uh, and then again, if there are legal or ethical concerns around decision-making and co coercion, or you know, sometimes actually social workers have, in our, in our survey, showed that they were particularly concerned around social justice issues, for example. Like they had clients that needed medication, and then we know that there are some ones that are effective for, in populations, 70%, 75% effective, that we can't get access to. That the, mental, the public mental health care system has waiting lists. And so what do you do when you have to sort of tolerate waiting lists? Or another less frequent one is what do you do when you're not completely sure about the quality of psychopharmacological intervention being given out, that you have doubts about it. Um, those would be some other kind of ethical concerns that, that might come up. So, but the argument basically was, let's define excellent social work practice. Let's go ahead and expand that definition to mean being an excellent referrer. I think everything that you just talked about uh, is, 
makes so much sense. And it's listening to you talk about it. It's sort of surprising that nobody has talked about it before or, or nobody has published it in sort of in, in, in one place before. And, um, I'll go ahead and put up the link to the, uh, I'll put the reference, um, on, on the social work podcast website and, and a link to the article because, um, it definitely sounds like something that social workers, uh, should have access to. I was wondering what other resources are uh, are available for social workers who are interested in improving their knowledge about um, psychopharmacotherapy or medications in general. Oh, that's a good question. Well, a couple of different sort of categories. So I'll say one is I'll just say books targeted to us, <laughs> and so that would be uh, psychopharmacology. Uh, texts that are written for non-medical providers. So obviously, you know, my own book with Joe Walsh is one of those books. Um, that you know, it's a, basically half the book is a primer of psychopharmacology, and the other one, the other half, talks about social work roles. But but Brooks Cole and and Thompson also publish other books like a psychotherapist resource on psychiatric medication by Bulow Herbert and Bulow. There's another one by Ingersoll and Rack called Psychopharmacology for the Helping Professions. And so there are some books written for us uh, and, and our own field as well. There's a uh, Jingaleski has written one um, that comes out pretty regular. So that's one way of going. Uh, I really like, and when I teach courses on social work and psychopharmacology, uh, psychiatric medication reference guides that are written for nurses because they're usually written in an approachable language uh, and not overly um, sort of uh, sophisticated in their in their terminology. So I like those. Uh, then the other thing to look for is mainly review articles. So, you know, the American Psychiatric Association puts out review guidelines and those kinds of big articles that are summarizing the literature are, are good. I, I pres- subscribe to a listserv, uh, Medscape Psychiatry, and, and so once a week I think I get updates and opportunities to read up-to-date articles on what's going on. But clearly those are all, um, you know, going to have a certain sort of, I'll say, bias towards uh, being pro-medication and uh, suggesting that, that, you know, that this is what people should be doing, and so you have to kind of recognize that. Another, two other places are, I mentioned the personal account books, so books written by people who have struggled with emotional problems or mental illnesses that have written about their experiences, I think it's a really good place for people who want to know more about medications and also be more compassionate, be more more compassionate social workers. And so I think to stay immersed in the experience of clients who take medications, one of the ways you can do that is to read personal account books. And and then the final place would be, to, you know, there are some well-known, I'll call them trade books. So they're written for the public, but, um, but if, you know, and they're like, I'm looking at one right now called Straight Talk About Psychiatric Medication for Kids by Timothy Willens, um, W-I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, W-I-L-E-N-S. And it's like it's in its gazillion uh, edition, and it's just a very, very approachable guide written by a he's a, a MD, but it's for um, you know parents and kids, and so it's very it's uh, tr- it's kind of I would describe this as trustworthy and, and approachable. 
So you're really recommending a wide variety of academic and non-academic resources. Uh, clearly, the academic resources make sense for folks in a professional program, but could you say a little bit more about why social workers should uh, read these personal accounts? Well, I, the, the personal accounts thing is really to, to keep the social worker immersed in that life lived experience of clients. And so it's not that you're reading a personal account book to find out sort of the effectiveness rates of, of uh, Clozeril or Celexa. You know, obviously you're not trying to garner that kind of information from a personal account book. But you are trying to gain insight and empathy into the experience of people who've struggled with with the kinds of disorders treated by these medications so that you can be a better social worker, so that you can be more humble and more appreciative. You know, in addition to, to doing being that kind of social worker, what I'm implying to you about the being consumer of information is, you know, my argument that we need, which I think everyone that writes about this in our field would agree, is that social workers, as I said, need to keep a critical perspective about medications. We need to understand the socio-political context in which medications are prescribed, the, lar the power of drug companies to define what treatment looks like, the fact that, that uh, prescribing medications, you know, has perpetuated sort of a medical dominance uh, and sometimes to the detriment of psychosocial interventions. Uh, so, and we need to not, as I said before, you know, I'm not suggesting that we become cheerleaders for the use of medications. A great, a critical perspective means understanding that if the, if the effectiveness rates uh, published is 70%, that means 30% of folks aren't being helped in a way that's considered clinically significant. And so let's not forget about those, those kinds of folks. And we can't forget about the, the men and women of goodwill who in our field, like David Cohen, who has called attention to some of the biases in research. We can't turn our heads to that, but my argument is we can't turn our heads to the tens of thousands of people who've, who've, who've been helped. Uh, and uh, in fact, my own study at, uh, that I just talked about that I completed, you know, many, many, many of the clients basically described medications as, as, a, as a life-changing godsend and that, that they were deeply grateful for having medications that were useful in spite of these incredible histories of, of struggling to sort of get to a place where they were helpful with long histories of hospitalizations and terrible side effects and, and things like that. So we have to understand people are on a journey and medications can sometimes help them along that journey and sometimes, you know, it's not such a pretty story. And I think if we go in, if social workers go in with that, that perspective, that critical perspective, that typical understanding the socio-political context, staying immersed in the experience of clients, um, then we'll be uh, better social workers. Well, you, you've convinced me. Um, <laughs> um, no, but I seriously, I really like how you're advocating a critical perspective on mm -hmm. on medication because i think i think social work sometimes um it, it aligns itself with a perspective that the medical model uh, and 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 therefore medications are just bad and that mm -hmm. uh in order to be true social workers we can't um acknowledge the good in medications but you're yeah. saying 
you know what? There are a lot of different people out there and they have a lot of different experiences and it's not up to us to say what is um, best for clients sight unseen. And so to keep an open mind to medications is a possibility. John, I don't know if you'll use this or not, but I certainly remember when I was a brand new MSW student back in 1978 and, and I remember distinctly having an anti-medication kind of uh, view and I really do now believe that it was really tied up with my frustration uh, about the lack of acknowledgement of the power of psychosocial interventions. And so somehow I sort of took it out on this um, other treatment option, which was met more, quote, medical, certainly more biological. And, um, and I now think I've grown up and, and said, you know what, I need to practice some professional humility other professions and other kinds of interventions offer something to our clients and I should know about it. And, um, and not to every client, but to, to many clients. Um, so I think that giving up that sort of anti-medication view uh, is, is in, involves professional humility. Uh, now, having said that, that, that you know, I, do, I collaborate and, and I'm very familiar with people in our own field who really have stressed the... Um, and have argued that current clinical research around drugs is 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 reeked or racked with with bias, and that um, that too often clients are given medication without other options. And you know you have to look at the grain of truth in that. For example, with kids, um, I've just you know did this article with Catherine Collins at Maryland, our book chapter actually. Um, on, on kids and the conclusion around kids is are kids over medicated? Yes. Are kids under medicated? Yes. That both are true. <laughs> that is some kids, some kids are out there taking, uh, being prescribed medications as a shortcut and without adequate assessment, without adequate exposure to the, all the options, particularly the psychosocial and behavioral interventions. So yes, that's true. Is it true that there are kids out there that have real behavioral and emotional needs that medication could help with and yet they don't have access to it or that, you know, yes, that is true as well. Uh, and so that's quite a dilemma. It is a dilemma. It's it's interesting that you uh, answered both those questions. Yes. What 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 publication is that coming out in, or what book is that coming that, out? That that came out in um, uh, Cynthia Franklin and Harris and Paula Allen Mears's book, The School Services Source Book, in two thousand six. So it was just a, a book chapter on psychopharmacology treatment with kids and adolescents, and and basically we argued in that. Um, that, wow, social workers that work with kids in medication, think of what they need to understand, Jonathan. I mean, they need to understand the controversies about use with kids because parents and kids are going to come to them with questions about rumors they've heard and, and worries about physical and psychological development, worries about what this will mean for, for uh, their the meaning of you know, an identity of their, of their adolescent kid or their other kid, which Jerry Flourish in our own field has written about. What about backlash against medication in schools? Will this mean, is there sort of an anti-medication bias going on now that will really prevent kids that need help? What about off-label use? What about the use of um, research with kids? And so 
we try to, in that article, just make the argument again that social workers' knowledge isn't just about the name of a drug. It's really about the sort of social context that medication prescribing is happening right now. It sounds like there's uh, certainly room for a podcast on Psychopharm and kids. Um, <laughs> among, there might be. <laughs> among other things. Okay. Yes. Well, um, this, is, this has been fascinating. I, I really in, enjoyed this and appreciated you providing all of your insight and, uh, and, and, and wisdom on this topic. And I suspect that our listeners will um, be, be similarly appreciative. Well, thanks. Please join us for part three of this podcast when Kaya talks about a recent qualitative research study she did to explore the meaning that medication had for residents in a psychiatric facility. I'm Jonathan Singer, and thanks for being with me today for another episode of the Social Work Podcast. If you missed an episode or have suggestions for future episodes, please visit socialworkpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our online store at cafepress.com slash swpodcast. To all the social workers out there, keep up the good work. We'll see you next time at the Social Work Podcast.